We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, Her Hoops Stats fans. Welcome to another episode of Her Hoops Stats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and this week I am joined by Aaron Barzilai. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Doing good. I appreciate going uh, old school and uh, we're just a podcast today with no live stream. I think my uh, pandemic hair really uh, appreciates that. <laughs> yeah, mine's getting pretty bad too. So my pandemic hair also appreciates it. It's yeah, I was wondering how long, um, I was wondering, sorry, I was wondering how long it would take me to grow out my hair from today to be as long as yours was at the start. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think. My hair was way shorter this time last year, and it's now like super long. So maybe a year, probably like a year. So. Wow. <laughs> My neighbor was like, hey, I didn't know you had curly hair. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Everyone, I've been on like a lot of Zoom calls for work, and <laughs> every week I think more people start wearing hats <laughs> when we get on with the clients. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, now. I live in New Jersey and they're just starting to reopen, which sort of fits into, you know, a lot of what we're going to talk about later, I think. And uh, one thing I think is that you can start getting your haircut, I want to say maybe June 22nd, but like there is no way that I'm going to be an early adopter for that. I'm definitely going to wait (laughs) it out, see what happens, see if, you know, the cases are going and, um, you know, maybe in mid-July or something, if I'm feeling a little comfortable, I'll do it then. Gotcha. Yeah. In Connecticut, they opened June 1st, but I have not gone yet. I have an appointment on June 18th, so we'll shall see. Mm. <laughs> but you're not nervous about it? No, I'm not too nervous. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It needs to be cut. It's time. <laughs> but anyway, I feel like people probably don't really care about our <laughs> quarantine hair. So we are actually going to talk about the WNBA. Um, so yeah, I think first thing we've got to talk about is kind of breaking news this evening that Kelsey Plum underwent surgery on her Achilles and is going to be out for the season, if there is a season, but presumably that there is a season, she will not be playing in it. Yeah, no, I mean, it was pretty uh, shocking to see it. Um, you know, a lot of thoughts kind of swirling through my head when we came across around five Eastern. I think that, you know, number one, you know, good for her that she'd signed uh, her guaranteed contract already. I think she's going to make one hundred and seventy-five. She makes sixty-eight thousand this year, and then one hundred and seventy-five thousand in the first year of extension in twenty twenty-one. So good for her, I guess. You know, technically that's not good for the Aces. Although, as uh, Richard pointed out in his article today, they actually do have cap room and do have an open roster spot so they could add someone still although you know to find someone of her caliber is going to be a real challenge yeah exactly um, they'll be able to add someone there but it won't be someone as good as plum most likely I mean, obviously number one pick um, kind of got 
started to really find her footing I think in the W at the end of last season I think her first couple seasons were a little quiet but really was a strong player for the Aces towards the end of last season and I think a lot of people myself included were really looking forward to see what she would do this season if we got a season um and obviously hurts the Aces as well um so unfortunate for them yeah very unfortunate and I mean she's so young right like I you know she's very optimistic in her message today I guess she tore it uh, a couple of days ago, presumably working out. Um, you know, that's actually something else uh, relates to another question I have we can talk about later. But, uh, you know, so she's so young and it's just like, you know, she's optimistic in her tweet, but, you know, to have a full recovery, you know, definitely remains to be seen, like what this is going to do for her long-term career, especially as someone that, uh, you know, had a good, I guess, name slash reputation, but hadn't really proven herself to be you know, an all WNBA player. I think we're going to see with uh, Brianna Stewart, right, um, who mm-hmm. had a same injury, how she looks this year. Certainly, um, I have questions about whether she's going to be able to, Stewart's going to be uh, back to her uh, normal self. But, uh, you know, we're going to see from players like Kevin Durant in the NBA when that hap- uh, when he gets to play in the presumably fall slash winter, you know, how he looks. I think there's just a lot of questions about whether there's going to be a long-term uh, impact for Plum. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's unfortunately one of those injuries that is not easy to deal with. So hopefully she will make a full recovery and kind of be back or even better than she was. But I guess remains to be seen. But best of luck to her with the recovery process. And hopefully we'll see her on the court next year. Agreed. I do hope she'll be able to come back. I mean, the other thing that's unfortunate is it's already June, right? So she wouldn't even have a year before it's normal 2021 Uh, WNBA season and to say nothing of the fact that uh, you know the schedule could be goofy next year I forget what the start date would have been uh, this year I'm blanking on that because but I think would be similar with the the Japan Olympics kind of breaking it up as that schedule had been planned for this year as well Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah. exactly but I agree with you right I hope she recovers just uh, a little wary Mm -hmm. that's gonna be it's going to be a theme, I think, of this uh, podcast. I'm pretty <laughs> pessimistic in general. Yeah. I'm actually an optimist at heart, right? But on a lot of the yeah. topics I think we're going to talk about today, uh, I'm, I'm a, a bit of a pessimist. Are you an optimist at heart, would you say, or, or no? Yeah, I would say I'm an optimist at heart, but I don't know. I still feel somewhat optimistic about some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, but less optimistic than I felt a couple weeks ago, which I think is the opposite direction I expected that to go in. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, my it drives my wife crazy that I'm always like, oh, we'll figure something out, it'll work out, you know, more in our yeah. personal lives or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she's definitely uh, a warrior, as, as she will readily admit. So, um, <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, we don't have to, you know, it might go bad, I agree, but it's not gone bad yet. So, let's wait until it actually goes bad before we have, uh, you know, we really try to solve that problem, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, so um, yeah, so that was a, a little bit surprising, and yeah, it's weird to sort of lead off with just reg- regular basketball news. I wish it was happier basketball news, but also, um, you know, sort of an interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's just a definitely uh, uh, interesting to think about with everything that's been going on in the world for you know the last few months and the last few weeks. You know, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how things, uh, you know, just play out with, you know, the protests that we're seeing uh, around George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, Um, you know, what we're going to see with the pandemic. I feel like, you know, for the coronavirus stuff, again, we're going to, I think, talk a bit about the bubble today, but Mm -hmm. certainly, you know, I saw someone tweet out earlier in the week that like, you know, the same number of people are dying in like every three days right now uh, in the United States has died in 9-11. And I think just because we're, you know, sadly over 100,000 people uh, passing away from uh, COVID-19 that, you know, it sort of is numbing. And so, you know, that's what everyone I think has been kind of wary about with the uh, protests and Black Lives Matter and whatnot is, you know, just how do we really sustain this for uh, an extended period of time and kind of keep the focus off and keep the focus up and, you know, not be perhaps as pessimistic as I was before talking to, uh, you know, Erica and, and Coach Greg McCall, uh, who's not a quite optimistic um, mm-hmm. You know, having, you know, remembering all the events that we're kind of familiar with over the last uh, few years that did make the news, particularly Ferguson, um, you know, we've seen, you know, plenty of protests and it hasn't, you know, we still got to the point we are at, uh, well, 
a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, I, I'm hopeful that in fact, you know, change will happen on that front. But at the same time, you know, I definitely want to see, you want to see the proof, I guess. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I think it's promising to see that the momentum is still strong right now. Um, and I guess hopefully it will continue to be strong and that we will see real change. Definitely. I thought, you know, I, I felt uh, really good listening to Pokey Chapman. I don't know if people had a chance to listen to uh, John's conversation with Pokey Chapman uh, yet. I don't know if you've had a chance to uh, listen to it. I know it's been a little busier for you uh, this week, but, uh, you know, I just thought she had some really good comments and just really, you know, a lot of what she said, I think, resonated with me. I, sort of, I guess I think about things. Uh, you know, even though I have a radically different background than her, um, you know, uh, but I think about it in uh, a lot of similar ways. And she too seemed uh, optimistic. So, you know, the more you hear that and, uh, you know, the more, you know, it sort of moves me to feel more optimistic about the world, I guess. That's good to hear. So, yeah, that's on my weekend listen list. I haven't quite gotten to it yet, but I'm looking forward to listening to that this weekend and what she had to say. Yeah, no surprise. She's very uh, insightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing, I think I mentioned this to you uh, on Slack earlier today was it's interesting. It was sort of heartening to see Skylar Diggins Smith uh, as a pop uh, included in LeBron James uh, more than a vote effort. I think it's him, Jalen Rose, I'm forgetting. Uh, someone Trey else, Young, I, I think. Trey Young, right, right. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, that uh, the four of them are working, you know, I think, and, and I think the point of it is that as the title suggests, both they're encouraging people to vote, uh, but also kind of working on some of the systematic. Uh, reforms that, uh, you know, we saw in Georgia, some of the challenges that they had, I think that's been covered in the news. So, um, so, you know, I mean, I think there's positive signs and people are, you know, doing their part and we'll see what happens. You know, I was asking you, when is the, so you're in your secure undisclosed location in Connecticut, (laughs) uh, when is your uh, primary? I don't remember the exact date, but it is in August. Um, I think like mid August. Okay. Well, my lame paternalistic view, I hope you will uh, vote as well, all of our listeners. I know that I, I mean, interestingly with the stuff that's going on in Georgia, I know I applied for an absentee ballot with all the coronavirus stuff that's happening. Uh, I believe ours is coming up uh, fairly soon here in New Jersey, uh, down here near her group stats uh, HQ. And I definitely have not gotten the absentee ballot in the mail. So I think we're going to be fine. There's been a lot of complaints about that in New Jersey uh, compared to some of the challenges in Georgia, but certainly you never know. Yeah. So the voting, you know, obviously I think is really important. And, you know, I think, I mean, it seems like we're going to see some sustained activism through efforts like that and all the other things that we're uh, reading about, seeing on Twitter and whatnot. I think that actually is a nice little transition into uh, talking a little bit about the bubble, which I think aside from Kelsey Plum was the uh, biggest basketball news. I know that I have, you know, just a ton of questions about what's going to happen. You know, one reason I want I wanted to bring it up was because I think it is a fascinating question about, you know, what kind of impact WNBA can players can have inside the bubble and like, are they really going to be uh, receptive to the idea that they can't go out of the bubble to protest if they're say in Bradenton and there's things going on in Tampa or St. Petersburg, um, you know, the, it fits in with the voting too, mm-hmm. right? But obviously hopefully they could do uh, absentee ballot if they're you know, in one of our states. Um, but but yeah, so I guess my first question for you is, do you think that um, the WNBA players would be more impactful playing or do you think that, you know, they could actually go out and be marching in the streets as sort of they have been the last few weeks? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it goes both ways. I mean, obviously, there's still ways they can use their voices if they're playing and they're in this bubble. But, you know, they're going to have a lot of media access and things like that from um, being kind of in that playing spotlight. But then again, yeah being in the bubble and not having access to the outside world could kind of reduce what they're able to actually go and do. Um, So I think their voices are still there and the way they can use them is still there, but what they can actually do would obviously be restricted in that bubble. Um, which is yeah. just one of many issues with the bubble, but you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely want to talk more about this with you now. But yeah, did you see Stewie um, tweeted out like a picture of the courts with like I think it must have been hashtag say your name on the baseline instead of like a team name, and also mm-hmm. hashtag Black Lives Matter. Did you see that today? Yeah, I did see that. I thought that was an awesome idea. Um, just really have that message front and center. On yeah. The court. Especially you're not going to have team logos or anything anyway. There's nothing that needs to go there, so why not use it to kind of make a statement. 
Yeah, I thought so too. You know, it's interesting, right? So I, again, I have a lot of concerns uh, about the bubble. Um, and I definitely want to sort of say upfront that like, I think in particular, the players should be free to choose whatever they want. Um, you know, I can definitely think, and the coaches and staff as well, I can definitely, you know, think about what I would do. And, but obviously, you know, if the players want to play, if the coaches want to coach, if the, you know, owners, the team front office wants to play, go for it. But, you know, I think there's just, you know, so many questions and, um, but one thing I would say is like it's actually would be interesting because um, one concern I have is just how much media coverage uh, the WNBA is going to get, right? Because the, suddenly the sports landscape, landscape, excuse me, is going to be infinitely more crowded than it was is in, in a normal year, and so I think that has the risk of really driving down some of the uh, more casual fans that might have been willing to pick it up. You know, I think a lot of NBA fans were really primed to watch the WNBA this summer. Um, that's what they were thinking in January and February. But I mm-hmm. think the chances they're going to do that against kind of wall-to-wall NBA games and, the you know, as they try to finish off their regular season and then, um, you know, go into the playoffs is going to be really hard to compete with. So there's actually a weird thing where uh, at one point people were like, oh, WNBA could be the first to go and then they get lots of attention. You could have an interesting situation where they're the only athletes that are outside the bubble and so then they could be at these protests and actually getting more attention than they normally would sort of like the opposite effect of what people were talking about with the draft Mm -hmm. yeah no it's just an interesting situation with kind of everything all coming back at once um i mean the thing that like to me too is crazy is just like they're still trying to play like something that resembles a full season which is months of being in a bubble which i think is i don't know it's a lot to ask of anyone and, you know, I see it when you see it like the NBA level, you're like, OK, well, you know, at least these players are mil- making millions of dollars to be locked in this bubble for a few months. That's not the case in the WNBA. So it's kind of like I think there's a side to it of like obviously the players probably rely on getting that income a little bit more. But um, just like, is it worth it? Yeah, know, right. Right. Like. I- totally with you on that and i think that you know the money money is money right so if you're you know player getting a hundred thousand dollars and suddenly you're not like i don't want to underestimate that but that's different than not getting uh, a million too and i think in a lot of cases people kind of scale their expenses to their means and so um it could end up being for for a sort of lower end nba players uh quite comparable um in their perception even though the absolute Mm -hmm. dollars are different but uh but yeah no i think just economically uh you know someone like diamond to shields you know we we don't know how much the players are going to make we've seen reports around 60 percent, but that's not you know that's just a kind of report i think it could go lots of different ways you know my perception is that it's going to be a very very significant uh, and again this is my perception but Mm -hmm. it's hard to see um, how they're not going to be losing lots of money this summer if they play you know some semblance of a regular season game without any gate um and so uh, you know, to do it, you know, for Diamond Shields, you know, she's making maybe $40,000. It's like a huge, huge risk. And, um, you know, there's so much we don't know about this disease. There's players that, uh, you know, rely on their bodies. And if their, you know, lung function, you know, is impacted by 90, you know, by 5%, and she's only 95% capacity mm-hmm. for the rest of her life. Like that's, you know, is that really worth $40,000 this summer? Um, now, you know, she's young. Uh, I'm sure that uh, a lot, you know, most players feel invincible. Um, I know you're young enough that you probably still feel invincible. <laughs> uh, I'm old enough that I definitely don't. But uh, but no, it's, I mean, it's a huge risk. There was something in the news today, right, about uh, um, some woman had to get like a, in her 20s, had to get a double lung transplant. And it was like the first one they've done or something for this. So, so it's obviously a very rare side effect. But, um, you know, like I, I've, I haven't seen reports about how Stephanie Dolson is feeling. Is she 100%? I know that there was something about uh, Vaughn Miller, who plays linebacker for the Denver Broncos, and you know he made it sound like he did not feel like he was quite at one hundred percent yet. I'm, you know, I don't know that that's a, a measured test, but you know, nevertheless, I think there's you know real risk of long term impact, and so if you know something happens to someone, it really costs them, uh, you know, an injury that slows them down as much as you know hypothetically Kelsey Plum might be. Like that's really, really costly. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of risk and for not a lot of reward and also not the best like situation being you know, locked up in a, the bubble situation for a handful of months. I also see it from a perspective of like these. a lot of these players make most of their money playing abroad and now you're going to have a W season that probably backs right up to their international season. Um, 
that's probably where they're bringing in more income. So maybe more with the risk. I mean, obviously, who knows if that'll be able to happen and what the world's going to look like in three months from now. I don't think anyone knows, but um, it's just another thing to consider. Yeah, you know, and so, I mean, we were sort of joking about when uh, there was talk that the WNBA might be in Disney as well, but like, I've been to Disney. We go with my family. I, my, you know, my wife, my kids uh, go. My wife really, really like it. So we've been there. And and Disney has this fascinating thing where it's like if you go the first day, the tickets are uh, let's just say a hundred dollars a person. But then like if you go the second day, then they're only I don't know eighty dollars a person. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so like by the you know seventh day, it's like well, if you get an eighth day of tickets, it's like an extra five dollars a person. It's really like, mm-hmm. oh sure, let's do it. You're, and so the trip cost of staying that extra day is so incremental because it's really just hotel. So we gone for like eight days before in disney and you know by the end you're just kind of like a little numb to it and ready to go home just because it's super you know it's not super repetitive i mean there's four parks in orlando and all that kind of thing but it's you know i can't imagine going on vacation to disney for three weeks you know let alone <laughs> kind of a situation uh, like we're talking about uh for the WNBA players or, you know, or the nba players um, what's the long? You know, you obviously are a much bigger world traveler than me. What's the longest <laughs> you've ever been on vacation? Uh, I think like nothing really. Never more than like two weeks. More of just like a function of like it's hard to take more time than that off. But um, yeah, usually never more than like two weeks at a time. And like, what, what were you kind of ready to get back? Where'd you go for those two weeks, if you don't mind saying? No, I'm, I'm never, never ready to get back from vacation, but that's me. Maybe not most people. Um, when my longest trip I can think of was last year. I was in Hong Kong, Thailand, mm. and Bali for um, two weeks. But like, I, said, I mean, we weren't in one place for two yeah. weeks. We were moving around and doing a lot of different things. So, yeah. And I've actually uh, been on that IMG campus before, like, over a decade ago, I did this thing. It was called like Train Like a Pro, that uh, the sort of the port of the Pro Basketball Center uh, did there, and they invited like some media and analytics people. Uh, so it was like seven of us, and we worked out in the gym. I'm sure the facility's better, but uh, now than it was then. But uh, you know, it was very nice then. And um, I mean, it's basically like a gated private high school. Um, you know, all like ten young tennis players were roaming around, right? Because IMG is the old Nick Bulletary Tennis Academy. And, uh, you know, so it's a nice setup. I could see it being, uh, you know, super boring. And uh, not only that, but like, are they going to be allowed to like walk around in their, uh, you know, on the streets uh, along the way? Sort of. I mean, that's something I enjoy doing here is like going Mm -hmm. to our local park and and working out and just kind of getting out of the house. Will they be trapped uh, in there? And then the other thing that's super weird about all this that I haven't really seen a lot of discussion on, but whether it's WNBA or, you know, the men's sports as well. Is like in the state of Florida, you're going to have like way more freedom than the players that are being quarantined uh, in the bubble. Yeah. Are. Like they're allowed to go to restaurants and stuff if you live in Bradenton. But if you're a player in Bradenton, you're not, which is going to be just a weird dynamic. Right. Exactly. I don't know. I think it's a lot to ask of people too, right? Like you've just been, what, it's been three months not yet, right? Like three months almost. So most people have been three months already in some form of quarantine or something that resembles quarantine. It's like starting to be acceptable to see a couple more people do a couple things. And then mm. you're going to ask these players to go lock themselves up away from everyone else again. Like, I don't know. It's a lot to ask people when we've already been doing this for three months. Oh, they just got a taste of uh, freedom again. <laughs> and now we're going to snap yeah. it back. From well, them. I mean, it's also just, even if without that situation, I think it's a lot to ask of people, to be honest. I don't know. Part of me kind of thinks that the NWSL had it right with their doing their, you know, it's like a one month tournament or whatever. One month is a lot different than three months. And I think but it's doing the- it smaller scale, getting some attention, getting to play, but not like trying to have a full blown season, which just doesn't really feel like it makes that much sense right now might be the right approach yeah right i've suggested that crazy idea before i was refining it actually uh today as i was thinking we're gonna talk about so i think i said last time you know do basically kind of like something like the national team tour where you just have like top players playing um exhibitions i was thinking we should really do like an all-star game and like forget even getting the younger coaches we should just let the players play um let them pick teams we kind of rotate who the captains are uh so the it's not just you know u.s versus the world or something uh every single uh every single game but the actual the matchups change but yeah I, I to me i think you know and again because of the economics of it that uh you know really at this point it's all about how can 
people maximize their total revenue from today through say 2021, 2023, 2025. And, you know, if you're giving up, you know, $100,000, if that would have been your contract for this year, you know, it is hard to make that up. But I think that if they play a very truncated, you know, just kind of some exhibitions to keep interest up over the summer that I think there could still be interest in, um, you know, 2021. I don't think we'd lose a ton of momentum in a lot of ways. You know, it's like the Olympics, right? Sort of the buildup mm-hmm. of, you know, only happening every four years or two years, depending on how you want to count it, you know, sort of adds the excitement. And so I think if the WNBA, you know, just played a few exhibition games and I think there'd be a huge opportunity to coordinate the schedule with the NBA. So, you know, during the NBA finals, if people are not uh, abroad already, they could play, um, you know, the off nights of the NBA finals. So there would always be kind of live basketball, uh, you know, during the uh, NBA conference finals. I think the games usually start at 8.30 or 9 Eastern. And so you could play, you know, these exhibition WNBA games right before it is kind of the live sports leading up to it. Um, and so I think there's, you know, plenty of places, ways to uh, showcase the broadcast. But, um, you know, it's just the, just the broadcast inventory is going to be a huge issue. Like, well, who's going to be showing these games over the summer? You know, is a particularly important question. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Even if like you want to really compete, like kind of doing something like the NWSL is doing, it's like a World Cup type format. You got like group stage of play and then uh, knockout rounds, something like that, which could work too. But I agree. It's just about trying to like bring in some attention and kind of set it up for success for next year. I mean, honestly, I think the NBA is crazy too. You're going to play out basically the whole playoffs and some of the rest of a regular season to like have your season end on October 12th, which is basically when preseason starts usually right for the nba so it's yeah well they're they're talking about delaying it to december 1st or december 25th but yeah right so we saw um ari's report about uh, how there's some certainly some players i don't think she put a number on it that Mm -hmm. have concerns we've also seen you know similar similar concerns in the nba side so i think it's not surprising um i would definitely have those concerns uh Mm -hmm. if i was a player especially if i was one of the players that is uh you know a little bit uh, more at risk you know someone like elena deladon who has uh, Lyme disease, Lauren Cox, right, has type 1 diabetes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think there's definitely, you know, a lot of questions about, you know, the trade-offs they're making versus someone else. Because, um, yeah, you know, Florida, the cases are skyrocketing. I'm of two minds mm-hmm. of that, right? Florida has definitely seen a huge increase in cases. At the same time, I was actually looking at uh, Manatee County, where Bradenton is, and it's really very very few cases per day. I want to say maybe if I'm remembering correctly, like on the order of 15. And I don't think Bradenton County has had that spike yet. So at some level it's like, well, there's only 15 people in the whole county and, you know, they're doing a good job of a quote bubble. You know, I guess I could sort of see it working out, but then at the same time, you know, it just seems like, you know, are the people that are working, uh, you know, food services and whatnot, are they staying in the bubble or like, are they at risk of getting it? So, you know, I think there's huge risks uh, to the players. Yeah, exactly. The health risk is there, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. You can't control a complete bubble, I don't think. I mean, I guess they can try, but I just can't see how that would work that like no one that's working or anything is going to be exposed to the outside world. Someone's going to get it eventually. I think that's kind of inevitable. Um, but then just like if you look at Ari's tweets on Twitter too, like what she was saying about what they're being offered in terms of like no plus ones, you're basically just in like a hotel room, box lunches. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> it's like a, it's a lot. Then it's just like these are professional athletes and yeah, I don't know. No, the NBA, I, I think people underestimate the NBA is not going to have any plus ones for the first seven weeks, only like okay. I think the second round of the playoffs. So that's like a huge time. You know, there's a lot of talk of, uh, you know, these teams, you know, always do their uh, kind of motivational speakers or kind of trying to draw different people from different disciplines. I think everyone's like trying to find people to be on sub submarines to uh, talk about what mm-hmm. that experience is like, because I think that's the uh, the closest analog to what being, you know, in a bubble for, you know month at a time is like yeah i guess i don't know as much as i like desperately want the WNBA to come back and want sports to come back it's just like is it all worth it i don't know part of me is like you just you know you do something like the nwsl some kind of short tournament something exhibition type games and then just move on to next season (laughs) yeah and the WNBA has the benefit that uh you know while i'm sort of pessimistic about what's going to happen in the uh 
uh, in our country uh, you know, over the next few months, like I'm a more optimistic that things will be reasonable in May of next year. But, you know, the NBA, everyone's obsessed about what's going to happen and crowning a champion. And then they just talk about how the season's going to start in December. And it's unclear to me that like the season's going to start not in a bubble. Like, are they going to be in back at uh, Disney from December through, uh, you know, June? That seems even crazier. It's not at all clear that they're going to get a chance to, um, you know, play locally but, uh, you know, maybe not in front of fans. And similarly, like what's going to happen with college basketball? That's also a huge question. I think I read something that uh, uh, there was an interview with Kelly Graves. I think, um, you know, Sue Favor retweeted it that, um, you know, like it's unclear if they're going to play the Oregon South Carolina game, I want to say that had been scheduled because like ESPN doesn't know what their college football broadcasts are going to be. And so then that might affect whether they'll have a television window for this women's basketball game. And, um, you know, like, you know, we can't do NCAA basketball in a bubble. I think that's mm-hmm. uh, not going to happen. And so, you know, what's going to happen, happen there. I'm a little, definitely a little concerned. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's so far away. It's so hard to tell. I think you are seeing at least that the, I think most popular thought school thought in terms of like colleges going back right now seems to be like going back at normal time or maybe even a little bit earlier and then kind of on campus activities wrap up at Thanksgiving because students aren't coming back after Thanksgiving like the rest of the semester is online I think the thinking on that is just that like if there's a second wave they kind of seem to expect that it might come in like when it gets cold next year but or not next well, I think year, part of it is also they don't want people leaving for Thanksgiving and coming back so it's like one trip again it's like sort of do a bubble yeah. in college but I mean that's definitely right. some people's model that's not the not all the schools are doing that model mm-hmm. um and uh you know we spoke to Greg McCall right he's the coach at Cal State mm-hmm. Bakersfield and uh Cal State's you know said that they're going to be online only um I think they're still hoping that they might have athletics but um you know it's not at all clear to me that what's going to happen. So many schools, uh, like I live near, uh, not too far from Princeton. And my understanding is there haven't made a decision yet as to what's going to, whether they're going to have campus, you know, students come on campus in the fall or go uh, all online. I think they're stalling so they can make sure they get their tuition money. So <laughs> I think that they're totally, you know, especially if we start to see, you know, the case count picking up as it seems to perhaps be doing around here. Um, you know, I think there's, you know, definitely a huge risk that that's, that's not going to happen. We're going to be kind of back to square one, but, but more bitter. Yeah, I guess going back to like the November school thought, I get that people are trying to say that it's like, because like people don't come like back, but I'm like, the college is never going to be a bubble, right? Like you can't like professors are still coming in and out. You have commuters that are coming in and out. They, they, there's no way that they can enforce that like 50,000 kids or not 50,000, but like 20,000 kids never leave campus. Like people are going to leave campus and there's, there's think, not going to be a bubble. But I think the idea is that if you've got a student from New York, uh, when New York is going crazy and you're at Notre Dame, you don't want them going to New York for the weekend and coming back. You know, Seattle, uh, Iran, yeah. right? think about some of the hotspots that we saw earlier in the I year guess. so i think that's but, kind of the idea of like you know south bend is relatively under control and like i mean certainly in florida you look at the state count and it's not looking good but you know like it's a gigantic state and like i am willing to say like you could conceivably conceivably have an outbreak in jacksonville or miami and not affect bradenton like i totally get that so um uh, you know, I think it is ultimately you do want to be making a lot of good decisions locally. But, you know, there's also the question, like, we're talking about it because it's been reported about IMG. But, uh, you know, like, why not play in, like, Mohegan Sun, right? I don't know how you feel about how Connecticut uh, is doing. That's pretty isolated, right? And, uh, you know, I think the Northeast has been taking it uh, quite seriously. I feel fortunate mm-hmm. that in New Jersey that, uh, you know, certainly the people in my town are being quite good about, uh, you know, staying locked down and staying uh, you know, social distancing, if you bump into someone outside. So, you know, maybe the league should be strongly considering playing in a state that is uh, being a little stricter than most. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is the Northeast has been stricter because it was the worst year. But, um, <laughs> right, like I think, you know, I mean, it's starting to get bad in Florida, but it really wasn't bad in Florida before. And like, I mean, we actually living like near New York obviously saw kind of the worst of it, right? Like New York City was probably the worst, but you know, with that trickled out to Jersey, it trickled out to Connecticut. So it's been 
bad here, which is part of, I think, what has made people take it seriously, though. I will say I don't think all people are being great. I don't know. People <laughs> don't seem to think that, like, the arrows on the floor in the grocery store are for any use. And <laughs> I well, don't know. You you've gone out. You've been doing outdoor dining a lot more than me and my family, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes, but we're like following the rules. My point is that if people can't follow like simple rules in the grocery store. It makes me guess how much people have been following rules in general. Just saying, but um, absolutely like, I mean, right. Like it doesn't cause that much inconvenience to your life to go one day way down an aisle in a grocery store. And so. uh, <laughs> right, and then I think there's the question. Certainly in the NBA, there's a lot of concern about you know essentially knuckleheads that are uh, not following the rules, and so. It's going to be like, again, it's going to be super tempting if you're in a state where you can go out to mm-hmm. do outdoor dining, uh, to sneak out and uh, do that yourself, right? I mean, obviously everyone's a professional and you'd like to be able to trust them, but you know, I mean, there's a lot of people there, so there's going to be a, a variety of perspectives. That's for sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, I haven't read enough about the NBA plan to know, but I'm really curious, like, are they isolating the NBA players in like specific hotels? Because like Disney is reopening in, yeah like, it's the same thing or, right like right. are the player are the nba players going to get to go to disney and the answer seems to be <laughs> no um they're they've been talking about the coronado Spr- springs hotel which i have not uh stayed at i know mls is staying at the swan and dolphin which actually did stay <laughs> once in a business trip uh and is quite nice uh, i think that's sort of over by epcot but um but yeah right the idea is that they're going to try and p- keep people uh pretty isolated that the advantage of the img setup is that you don't even need the buses to go from hotels right. to the, the stadium so it seems you know safer in that direction and you know obviously it's less people so there's you know less people you got to bring in um mm-hmm. but you know there's all kinds of questions i have uh about the protocol i think it's fascinating you know how little information we have uh, about what's going on in the WNBA. That's why I thought it was really um, good to see some of these stories, whether it was Michelle Vopel's or Ari's story, just to kind of get a little more background. You know, there really just have not been many leaks, sort of as mm-hmm. we kind of saw, as I guess, yeah, as we saw it with uh, Kelsey Plum as well. Yeah, exactly. We haven't really heard that much still. So um, still obviously a lot of questions. It doesn't, I mean, like the NBA deal kind of seems like it's probably happening like going forward that I don't have that kind of faith in the WNBA right now just because we haven't heard a lot so um yeah and I that makes me think I was listening to a podcast on ESPN today and Jackie McMullen, the great uh, NBA writer from uh, formerly the Boston Globe, Sports Illustrated and she lives in Massachusetts she said that uh I didn't realize this did you know that the the Spanish league, La Liga for soccer or football, um, they are uh, resuming the men's 2019-20 soccer season, but not the women. Yeah, I did see that um, a while back, I think, but I did think I did see that. Or if it wasn't them, it was another European club that was or club league that was doing like the same thing. But um. yeah, so I mean, it's uh, you know, and so they were talking about this, their podcast, right about you know, what's the reason for that? You know, it's really all economics. And it, and that was in the context of like the reason that they're playing more soccer is not, you know, out of the goodness of their heart because it's great for humanity, but, but really for money. And, you know, does that really make sense? I think we're in the natural stage where everyone's kind of questioning that. And, you know, again, I want to be clear, like, I think I have a lot of thoughts in my head. Like I'm very, you know, as a good, I just, I don't see how, if the country is going to largely do what it was doing on March 1st, why the cases wouldn't ramp up like they did in March. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, at the same time, I distinctly remember being uh, very heartened that for the NBA situation, you know, uh, Rudy Gobert had it. We don't know who had it first, but they tested 58 people um, that evening uh, when they canceled the NBA and only one other person was diagnosed with it so um it made me think like oh maybe it's not spreading quite as much as we thought and you know there definitely have been some studies that show that like you know there was a thing in missouri about uh some women cutting hair at great clips i guess that were symptomatic and uh they cut the hair of like 140 people and i guess like 46 people chose to get tested the other ones did not and none of those people had uh you know had uh, developed coronavirus so or covid19 so you know there are some signs of optimism um but again just in the big picture i'd like to while i would like to get back to normal uh, in terms of basketball and living our lives, uh, you know, going back to work and all that kind of thing that, uh, you know, it's just hard to see in the big picture until there's a vaccine. And then, you know, again, like I'm not going to be the first, per- like I'm pro vaccine, but I'm, I don't want to be the first person, you know, nor do I think I will be the first person to get the vaccine. So it could be, you know, a long, long time. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I think. I mean, I think part of the issue is right. There's still like not a lot of great data on how it spreads, how fast it's spreading, what's happening. So, I mean, maybe time will tell us that there is more promising signs, like kind of those anecdotal examples you gave. But yeah, I don't think we'll know. And then the timeline of a vaccine is such a question mark too. I think. Um, I don't know. I feel like everyone's really like riding this, like, oh, we're gonna have a vaccine in January. <laughs> like not necessarily um, yeah. and we still don't know exactly when they're gonna play but you know now uh, today came out that the basketball tournament which is that uh tournament they do for megan gustafson for a while looked like she was going to be in it but it is a men's tournament um she was going to be in it last year when she mm-hmm. uh, before she signed with the wings um but i guess it's going to be july 4th through 14th i think are the games uh for um and they're gonna do it in columbus ohio so i think actually at the uh arena where the final four was where Enrique uh, worked here magic, I'm guessing, although maybe not, I guess they probably do it in a smaller gym, but uh, so they're going to see that uh, first. You know, what's interesting is at some level you can be optimistic about some of the leagues that have resumed like Bundesliga soccer, um, the Korean baseball, which, you know, I'm not staying up for, but all of those are outdoor sports, right? So it is a little different to see what's going on with, with indoor sports. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about it from that perspective, but it is true. There's the outdoor advantage. They seem to think that it's it's less outside. Yeah. Um, And so, like, you know, there's just so many questions. I know Henry Abbott, um, who's a friend of mine and has been a great uh, supporter of our work. uh, He runs uh, True Hoop, and he wrote this really amazing article, like 20 questions he'd sent to the NBA. And I think there's just so many. But, I mean, like, it's it's sort of interesting. Like, one question which everyone's being careful to say is like at what point would they pull the plug if they start right and so like if we're getting one person testing positive for the WNBA a week like do you think that they need to stop at that point i mean one a week with the one out of 144 i feel like one a week maybe not but i don't know but i mean that's like 10 to 15 people i think right so like you know i said if 20 people test positive like should we stop right like it seems yeah uh a little crazy right like i get one person you sort of said that even uh, a couple minutes ago right yeah someone's mm-hmm. gonna test positive everyone says that but mm-hmm. um like what happens when 20 people test positive i was um you know another uh podcast i was listening about today um i do not follow boxing at all men's or women's but i guess the there was a boxing match and on tuesday the co-headliner was a women's match and you know one of the women tested positive i think on monday or sunday and so you know, if they're all the same sort of thing happened with the UFC, right? Um, I know that made the news because someone had a scratch. And so if these people are trying to uh, bubble uh, as much as they can and and not succeeding, it just seems, you know, again, like it's going to be impossible to avoid that uh, for these other leagues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, I guess we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I like, you know, a lot of questions, right? And like, you know, we're talking about it with my kids. You know, we're talking about our choices in, in our personal life, but, uh, you know, we're debating whether we're going to join a pool uh, this summer. Like, they've decided they're going to reopen it, um, clearance from the governor and all that. But like, we're a little skeptical about that. And similarly, my older son takes tennis lessons. And, you know, I don't know how well uh, middle schoolers are really going to be able to socially distance out there so um you know like i said uh, in general i'm pessimistic at the same time i recognize there are some you know positive data points as well uh, like mm-hmm. the one i mentioned about um how only two people in the utah jazz had it but you know it's just in the biggest picture i just can't wrap my mind around what's different than march in our lives yeah honestly when like all this happened in March, i would assume by this point we would have had like some more reliable data and a better understanding at least of what's going on and i don't even think we have that so yeah, yeah. I agree. oh what's and, you know in March? <laughs> one other thing i forgot to mention earlier is uh, i don't know if you saw the news today that the monumental sports right which is the mystics and the wizards and the capitals mm-hmm. so the washington uh, franchises right the ted leonsis owns they said that they are going to I believe do a 20% pay cut for people that are earning uh, more than $75,000 and I think no pay cut for people that are earning less. And so like the dynamics of that are going to be fascinating if, you know, as the players are talking about a 40% pay cut, but maybe, you know, I, I don't want to start anything up, but like, you know, it's just kind of, we don't know all the details, but you know, are the staff going to get a 20% pay cut at the players 40% or, you know, that's going to be a little bit weird yeah. as well. Yeah, I didn't see that, but that is interesting. 
Um, I mean, I think it's starting something we're starting to see, you know, all over, right? Different companies are there's places doing pay cuts. There's places that are laying people off. There's places that are doing furlough weeks. It's, it's, it's all over the place, but everyone's trying to figure out how to adapt to the economic yeah. situation. And I got to say, I'm like shocked that there's no, given that the NBA and WNBA share some resources, like it's really surprising to me that the WNBA CBA has the force majeure clause. I don't know if you've heard about that, but it basically governs what happens in events like this. Um, and the, the uh, WNBA CBA does not, which is why the players are, you know, officially entitled to their full salaries, regardless of how much, uh, revenue the teams bring in this year now i think that you know the players are reasonable and just like you're seeing people you know lots of different companies you know taking these uh, pay cuts uh you know i've seen teams where senior management i think the nba office so probably wmba executives as well all kind of voluntarily taking pay cuts to help kind of make ends meet so to speak mm-hmm. but uh you know uh yeah i mean to me it's all you know it all ultimately comes back to just how much money does you know, the entity bring in as a whole. That's why I'd love to see, uh, which won't happen, obviously, but <laughs> I would love to see the CBA sort of, instead of having dollar figures, you know, be much more explicitly tied to, um, you know, percentage of the cap and cap as percentage of total revenue and stuff like that. So it's like, look, you know, if we, if we make collectively the league $50 million and like the players are going to get, you know, 25 or, or whatever percentage ends up being negotiated. And if we can all work together and get to a hundred uh, million in total revenue, then like you're going to get 50 and, you know, if we're playing this summer and we're going to get 5 million, then like you're going to have to split 2.5. And, you know, if you can be super flexible and we'll get 10, not five um, for the league this summer, because we do some super creative things, then, you know, you'll get five, not 2.5. So, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, that has, that is really how it has to all kind of work out economically as much as we'd love to, um, you know, for basketball to be played for basketball's sake. Um, you know, the WNBA, you know, is paying salaries and, you know, I think the owners, you know, should be, and I'd like to think are viewing it as an investment in the long term, uh, and recognize they're going to have to spend money now to make money later. But, um, you know, really when all is said and done, you know, it's really hard for the players to, you know, it'd be pretty wild if the players got paid their full salary and the season was canceled completely, for example. Yeah. Exactly. Not that I think that's going to happen, but it's a crazy scenario that technically is what would happen in the CBA if they said, we just can't play this year. We're only going to play in 2021. Yeah. Agreed. I don't know. It will be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Um, still hopeful, I guess. I mean, I think we would all obviously love to see the W play this summer. It's just a matter of does it actually make sense? Exactly. Yeah, I would love to. And I'm sure, you know, the players are, I mean, I would be willing to bet, you know, among the many things we haven't heard about is, uh, and again, it's such a contrast. And, uh, you know, I think that hopefully we'll get more of this, but like all 30 NBA teams have like put out statements that their facilities are open. I don't think we've seen anything official about any teams uh, practicing for the, you know, or or not even practicing really, but, um, you know, going through the similar kind of protocols for these individual workouts where the coaches are, you know, shagging rebounds with gloves on and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we don't know like what Kelsey Plum is doing. Was she working out independently? You know, did something happen on a Peloton or whatever? Was she shooting by herself? Was she, you know, shooting with folks of the team? Um, You know, we don't, we don't have that kind of reporting. Right. I mean, we didn't touch on this before, but going back to like, um, Ari's tweets, there was something about too. I think training camp is only supposed to be like 13 days. So these players, some of them haven't been shooting because they don't have access to a hoop. They don't, you know, how much they have and haven't been working out is dependent on what they've got access to. And then you're going to go from 13 days to like a, a training camp to a full-fledged season. That seems like a recipe for more injuries to me. Yeah. And I mean, well. uh, and Ari didn't report that as like, hey, I've got a copy of the manual right, and right. agreed to that for some reason they secretly haven't told any of us. So I'm sure that's probably one of the scenarios mm-hmm. um, which is on the table. But, you know, most of the ones that I've seen for other leagues have talked about, you know, more like three weeks uh, minimum. So I would be surprised that ended up being the agreement. Um, and I would be super concerned if I was a player, right? We don't know if mm-hmm. Kelsey Plum's injury is because she wasn't working out and then she started working out again in the last few weeks um you know for whatever reason um you know it's sort of the opposite of what happened to stewie and sort of overuse right it could be mm-hmm. so underused that this injury happened um she was starting to ramp back up 
Yeah. And even if it is three weeks, I, mean, I think there's still concerns, right? Especially like, in, like you said, the NBA have said like that their gyms are open so players can have access to what they need access to. If that's not case, the case for the WNBA, it's a, even with three weeks, it's still a, you know, a steeper upramping. Yeah. And I wouldn't be shocked if like players that are in market are doing something. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about Trey Young in this uh, more than a vote thing. I saw, I guess over the weekend, he was like playing in some charity game or something in Oklahoma. Um, that was like a crowd, had a big crowd in front of him. So um, I'm sure that players, you know, if gyms can be open in certain states uh, across the country, like I'm sure the players are doing something there. Right. Um, but again, we just don't have official reporting or press releases about how, you know, Team X has opened up their facility and have these protocols so that uh, their players can get shots up if they live in the market uh, and stay safe. Right. Yeah. And there are still places that gyms are not open to. I know they're not open in Connecticut. I don't know what the case is everywhere else, but... So, yeah, it's probably a disparity of what people do and do not have access to, depending where they are and what they've got at home and what's open and everything. But Yeah, but like New York has all kinds of risks, as you were saying earlier, but I'm, the Nets facility is open, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, are Liberty able to go in there or not, right? And, right. you know, if they are, like, why is that a giant secret, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. There's just no information, unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, and that's really kind of the theme of, I think, of all the bubble talk is there's no information, uh, no, no super specific information. I think they're all working hard. I want to stress, like, I think everybody, whether they're the, at the league office or at the Players Association mm-hmm. or really even the um, or the Players Association Executive Committee, E2, and then I think the players that are not on the Executive Committee that are expressing these concerns, like everyone's got, you know, kind of the global good, I think, uh, at heart and, and taking it seriously. I don't think that, you know, any disagreement between any of the different factions is malicious. I think it's just kind of trying to think through it and make these complicated trade-offs, right? No one's ever kind of had to worry about playing professional basketball in a pandemic before. And so, um, you know, I think they're all doing their best and trying to, you know, turn lemons into lemonade, as they say. Exactly. Yep. Well, it's getting late, so maybe we should leave it there for tonight. Hopefully, you know, next week when we record a podcast, maybe we'll have some more information, more to talk about. But I guess lots of questions, but hopefully they will find a way to play. Indeed. And I think to your point, right, like the longer we go without specific information, also it just seems harder and harder to get back for that uh, roughly July 24th that we've seen publicly reported. Exactly. So, yeah, I agree. So, anyhow, I appreciate your time. It is getting late, uh, especially for an old fogey like me. So, uh, I appreciate you uh, spending the time. It's always good to uh, distance socialize with you. And uh, maybe next time we'll do this uh, on video so we can see each other and everybody can see us. And uh, But until then, uh, stay safe, uh, stay healthy, and, uh, you know, enjoy uh, a week of summer. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. You too. Thank you all for listening. As always, we hope you enjoyed what you hear on the podcast. And if you did, please make sure to rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Um, if you have suggestions about what you want to hear us talk about or anything, you can reach us at podcast at herhoopstats.com and also on Twitter at herhoopstats. As always, also make sure you check out the site at herhoopstats.com. Lots of great NCAA stats there to check out while we wait for a WNBA season. And thanks again for listening. Oh.